Happiest start to the new week. All the listeners out there, hope you are doing well and keeping sane, staying healthy at the same time. This week on the Healthzilla episode number 26, we are deep diving deep into uh, the world of Kundalini Yoga, spiritualism, uh, happiness, and, and all this very sort of softer side of well-being in, in itself. Uh, the aim here is to give you tools and, and opportunities, options, uh, what you may uh, want to try out um, as parts of your healthy habits as well. Do enjoy this wonderful episode with Nora Lindukangas and Aki Ranin. Three, two, one. Welcome. This is Healthzilla Weekly episode number. I can't even rem- remember which one, but it doesn't really matter. Welcome aboard for this week's episode. We have another brilliant episode coming out to you live from Singapore and Finland. Um, and in this week's episode, we are going to dive into um, some softer issues and softer side of uh, well-being, specifically spiritual and mental well-being. Uh, as such, we have touched upon this this topic on on some earlier episodes, but we do understand that it, it hasn't been on a top priority for for us, even though it is such a big um, sort of part of health and well-being overall. Um, and for that, we have a special guest for you tonight, um, and her name is Nora Lindukangas. Nora is a Kundalini yoga teacher and a teacher trainer, uh, an entrepreneur journalist, mother of three, and she's written a, written two books in, in Finnish. Uh, one's called Be Comfortable in Your Daily Life, Vihdu Omassa Arjessasi, and Survival Guide to Life's Crisis, Selvytymisopas Elaman Kriiseihin. She is a, a, an obviously a super woman, if you may, uh, does all sorts of things, helps, helps you know, hundreds and thousands of people across with her content, with her teachings and so forth. Um, so it is a pleasure to have you here. Welcome, Nora. Thank you, Nico. I'm smiling here on the other side of the microphone. Thank you for this uh, uh, very nice presentation. No worries. How is your day so far? Good. All good. Um, I am here in Finland. I live in a small town called Lovisa, which is about an hour's drive from Helsinki towards east. And it's been a huge storm in Finland overall last night, um, bigger storm than, than usually at this time of the year. So uh, this morning has been interesting, like interesting yeah. to see what has happened during the night, but it's, it's quite calm here in Lovis at the moment. Sure. Yeah. Hopefully you're staying safe and, uh, and well at the same time. Yes, it's all good here. Good, Thanks. good. And then we have our CTO and co-founder, Aki, uh, as well. Welcome, Aki. How are you? Very well. Good to be back. How is your day? Um, uh, average. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, be a brilliant day, right? It's, it's not bad, but I think just by definition, uh, every day can't be the best day. There has to be average days. So this is an average day. Well, indeed, indeed. Well, thanks. Thank you both for joining us on this great episode. Um, so, before we start, Nora, could you uh, give us a short introduction to yourself? You did it very well already, <laughs> but I'll uh, I'll do my best. Um, um, as you mentioned, I'm a, I'm a Kundalini yoga teacher. Um, that's something that is a is a big thing in my life. Um, both. Um, privately um, in everyday life uh, and also work-wise. I'm 
teaching yoga and uh, writing books about yoga, writing about yoga, um, but also other things, working as a journalist, writing about health and uh, sports, most of all. Um, and for the rest, uh, being a mother of three, as you already mentioned. So my days are quite packed uh, with, uh, with my three girls and uh, being an entrepreneur, finding time to do the work every now and then when the kids are at school. I'm basically working from home or at my home office and uh, I'm teaching yoga nearby. I have my own yoga studio uh, here in Lovisa and that's where I, I give most of the courses and we organize teacher training courses as well. Sounds absolutely awesome. So, because you are obviously a very busy um, person indeed. You've got your business and, and your work and your family um, and obviously the passion area being, being uh, yoga. So what, what eventually or what initially took you into the world of yoga and studying our emotional patterns and, and survival as per, uh, as per your books as well? Well, I think it was actually the chaos in everyday life felt like I didn't have enough tools to cope. Um, it was a bit over 10 years ago already. Um, and uh, I just happened to, that. well, I had read about yoga. I had been on several different yoga courses, tried several different yoga meditation styles. And uh, I was actually, actually pregnant uh, for the first time um, expecting my first child and was looking for courses in maternal yoga uh, prenatal yoga and I found out that there was a teacher training course in kundalini yoga starting in Finland and I had just been on two kundalini yoga classes before I had felt that there is something in this uh, form of yoga that really speaks to me and I thought that you you'd need to move to India for several years in order to become a kundalini yoga teacher <laughs> yeah, or something yeah. and then I just found out that it was possible here in Finland and uh, it was actually the first course weekend the first course module that um, kind of made a puzzle piece fall on its place um, I felt like I came somehow home. It felt really cozy, okay. and and um, I'm still on that path, revealing uh, or recovering more. Indeed, um, and I, I think I think we all are somehow healing and recovering from life itself. But this is an interesting interesting topic, indeed, uh, because I'm sure you know there are many of our listeners and myself and Aki as well. We probably dabbled on yoga just a little bit just as a form of, of exercise um, in, in that sense. But you, you, you speak about yoga as a, as a sort, of, sort of a tool for coping and recovering for the everyday life. Now, how, how, would you, um, how would you say Kundalini yoga differs from other yoga methods and just yoga as an exercise form itself? Well, Kundalini yoga has its own tradition, has its own exercises. Uh, but deep down, I think everything comes from the from the same source. It doesn't matter which the technology or technique is. 
in Kundalini Yoga, what uh, what was like most interesting, what spoke to me right away, was the philosophy. Somehow the way of seeing life, um, and kind of the exercises and meditations came on top of that. Um, and there are many different yoga forms which have very philosophic uh, background but somehow I don't know here um, there was just something actually the the missing piece that I got on the first course weekend was the word commitment mm. we were talking about um, the so-called seven steps to happiness um, which start from commitment the first step is commitment and what I realized was that hmm I have maybe like never ever in my life really like fully full-heartedly committed to anything uh, I have been kind of floating from yeah, one yeah. adventure to another and uh, this was something that kind of first got me committed in this form of yoga I kind of got quite a many outer commitments in my life, but they were all kind of guiding me towards inside to the commitment towards my heart, sure. uh, which is the most precious thing I have in my life. That's how I think at the moment. And I, I guess that that sort of goes uh, goes towards that self love, um, which I which in my opinion um, a lot of a lot of modern day people would actually miss. And I guess that as you mentioned about the commitment side of side as well, um, and this is just hypothesis and maybe just me thinking here um, out loud, but perhaps a lot of the the sort of mental issues in in especially in the Western world, developed world, um, increasing. Um, you know, mental issues might have something to do with the lack of commitment in, in your life and lack of self-love um, at the same time, sort of directionless. As, as per what you said, you would sort of drifting from one adventure to another. Uh, would this sort of bring any truth with you? Yes, absolutely. I think uh, commitment has a lot to do with responsibility as well, like being responsible for one's actions and um, I think actually not very many people really take responsibility of their own lives. Mm. It's easy to say that it was the boss, it's my children, uh, it's the circumstances, I would, but my mother has raised me like this and there's the rules and there's the laws and, and everything like that. But actually, um, like really taking responsibility of oneself and it doesn't matter what are the, the rules or what is expected or um, how other people think. I don't mean that it doesn't matter at all. But generally, if I'm, I'm committed to my heart, to the truth that I, that I know inside of me, then I've also had better chances to take responsibility of my own actions, of my own life. I'm being also happier, uh, liking myself more because I am committed to the truth that I have, the truth that I know. Um, and that makes life not maybe easier, but that helps to go across the more difficult parts as well. If I know 
that I am committed, I know why I'm going across this difficult uh, period of time. I know that I need to do it and I'm not questioning it and I'm taking responsibility of my own actions. Can I ask, um, Nora, this might sound a little strange in this context, but um, are, you, are you religious and were you religious before you started yoga? I am religious and I think I have questioned, questioned the concept of God in my life earlier. Um, maybe not wasn't sure about it um, when I was younger, but uh, I think definitely uh, the spirituality that yoga and meditation offers has brought God and the concept of God closer to me. Yeah. Um, behind Kundalini Yoga, um, there is um, like most forms of yoga are somehow based on Hinduism, but behind Kundalini Yoga, there is Sikhism, which is uh, a bit different. And um, I'm not a baptized Sikh, uh, I'm not um, following. Mm, kind of the rules that Sikhs follow in their lives, but somehow as, as a religion, as a religious system, that's something that, that touches me most. And uh, in my personal practice, um, there are mantras that come from Sikh tradition that are very dear and important to me. So for instance, I read every morning a piece or a piece of mantra which comes from the from the holy book of Sikh Siri Guru Granth Sahib and somehow just that ancient Gurmukhi language um, um, yeah touches me and uh, keeps me on the track but um, you didn't ask this but to extend <laughs> the discussion a little bit um, yoga is not religious per se um, Yoga is spiritual, but it's not a religion and you don't need to be religious. But for me, it just has kind of gently pushed me towards this direction and, uh, and without needing to like belong to any, any religion, I feel religious. And that's something that is a big, maybe I could say a backbone in my, in my life. Uh, something I can really rely on and that gives enormous faith in my life, which is one of the most important things, mm -hmm. in my opinion, one can have in life, faith in life in general. Yeah, make, makes sense. Yeah, the, I mean, the reason I was asking is because, as you say, there is a strong spiritual underlying philosophy going back thousands of years and you know very rich history and traditions behind yoga so even though i think for most western people we see it as a very like a form of exercise basically um mm -hmm. which is obviously quite trendy and you get your avocado smoothie on the way out and all this stuff so it's been quite commercialized and westernized but a lot of people are then exposed either out of curiosity or in passing to kind of the the underlying philosophies and I'm, I'm sure as a you know teacher yourself and having written you're far more exposed uh to the actual um underlying philosophy and uh, 
for disclosure, I've never been religious, um, but I was obviously raised in a Lutheran Christian environment as, as most uh, Finns uh, are, but in later in life, I've become very curious just to understand and kind of read more about the different religions. And, and something I found quite interesting is an idea is that Christianity um, and actually the sort of Abrahamic religions of, of Judaism, uh, Christianity, and Islam are all very rules-based. And, mm. and God is presented as a higher power. And especially in the sort of Old Testament Christian tradition, uh, humans are presented as basically um, untrustworthy. So you shouldn't trust yourself because you are a sinner at birth and therefore you must basically apologize for your existence. And God is your only chance to kind of rescue your soul from this damnation. Whereas the Eastern traditions, both Chinese and Indian, are very much, as you were saying, about kind of the self-love or finding the, the power, the meaning uh, within. And I suspect if, if we look at what's happened maybe in the last few decades, just the popularity of, say, things like Zen Buddhism, meditation, yoga, I think it's kind of speaking to this idea that maybe in the modern world, I suppose, technological and kind of disconnected uh, physically and connected virtually, uh, the old kind of old religion that we were all uh, taught as, as we were young and, you know, grown into doesn't seem to help because we, we are seeking these kind of answers, seeking this meaning and not finding it. And now us Westerners are basically looking to the East uh, to find uh, the inner truth, uh, as it were. Is, is this something that you've thought about or that you talked with your students or something that, that uh, resonates with you? Yes, 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 <laughs> to all your questions. Um, I think um, every religion, like whether being uh, Western or Eastern, is always uh, some kind of... Uh, like ready-made structure that doesn't necessarily work for anyone. It's kind of a, a compromise um, which has a seed of truth, at least a seed of truth, um, but um, with all the rules, with all the outer rules, with all the expectations, what you need to be in order to become a good Christian or to become a good Buddhist or, or anything else, um, you need to kind of uh, follow the rules. But in my opinion, like what every technique, every religion, every spiritual technology, meditation, yoga, philosophy can give you, like the best thing they can give you is to point back to your own heart. Um, I think that the, the fall of um, different kind of uh, like ready-made structures and systems, there's uh, lots of discussion uh, within Kundalini Yoga tradition in these days about uh, the yoga master Yogi Bhajan who brought this technology to, to the West. Um, how was his life actually? Was he a good man or was he a bad man and things like that? Um, but I don't think that's the point. Like you can't follow anyone uh, in these days. The best thing you can do is to find the truth, to commit to the truth. 
that you know inside of your heart. But uh, it's not easy uh, until you find the way and it's not finding it once, you need to reestablish it all the time. You might need a technique, you might need a yoga form, um, a way to meditate, a meditation exercise, or even a religion in order to find it. So um, it's true what you said, like um, many Western religions have lots of strict rules. I don't think it's actually what the, these religions were at the beginning or initially about. Um, Eastern religions may seem to be more kind of free, but they are still all religions, in my opinion. Um, and they can be useful, but I don't think you can say like uh, all the Eastern religions are like this or all the Western religions are like this. They have their good and bad sides and they can help, uh, but so can many other spiritual parts or spiritual techniques or philosophies help. I don't know if I answered to your question. There was lots of things coming out at the same yeah, time. No, no, no. I think it's, I, I was just, uh, I suppose, hoping to get into this area because um, I think... If we can add anything to the discussion, I, I think a lot of people are familiar, you know, generally with yoga as the exercise form, as in doing the various kind of asanas and, and breathing techniques and such. But I, I think most people haven't spent the time that you have uh, experiencing um, a specific form of yoga, as you say, and, and kind of getting to the next level. I think that's what I'm kind of interested in is because you mentioned words like commitment and, and uh, basically um, uh, going as far as you can with a specific methodology and, and you've been doing this for, for quite a time. Um, what, what promise, if anything, do you think you can make to, let's say like a new student um, coming to you or maybe a student that's been with you for a while, as in what, what can they achieve with uh, these practices. And, and the reason I ask is uh, something like, say, uh, Buddhism and Hinduism, uh, many people think, oh, the, the ultimate goal is obviously enlightenment. And depending, again, specifically which kind of branch of those philosophies you follow, that's presented as, as something that's either achievable or, or only for monks or, you know, kind of serious practitioners, etc. But it's not usually highlighted as something very central to yoga, this kind of, you know, realization of, of the self or the not self and, and, and so on. That's, that's maybe more of the religious side, but you as a practitioner, how far do you feel that say like Kundalini yoga, you and your practice personally and with your students, what are you kind of aiming at? What is the ultimate goal? Uh, do you feel of, of this practice? Is it just kind of, to feel better incrementally and kind of um, help people be healthier and happier? Or is there some goal uh, that you feel um, you're, you're heading towards there? That's a really good and uh, big question. Um, I think just answering for myself, um, I'm doing yoga because um, in, in order to have a good life, in order to keep this faith that I have in life and uh, 
in order to be humble enough to learn in life. Um, I'm not even talking about becoming a, a, a better person, but being able to cope with difficult situations in life. That's what my books also are about. I'm not that interested about what happens on the yoga mat. I'm more interested about what happens outside of the mat, what happens in real life, how can these ancient teachings help me in everyday life. And that's something that this form of yoga is helping me a lot with. On the other hand, if somebody comes to the yoga class and asks me, what can I guarantee? What can I promise? My answer is nothing. Um, I, I'd never go tell people that, oh, you should try Kundalini yoga. That's something that's going to make miracles. Your life is going to become so much better. I don't think it works for everyone. That's why it's good that there are so many different technologies and techniques. Um, maybe you need to go to several different yoga classes in order to, to find your form of yoga. Or uh, maybe it's not yoga at all. Um, I have a very dear friend who, who's an ultra runner. And uh, his meditation is running five hours a day or, or something like that. And that's really meditating, like the monotonous uh, movement, just continuing, continuing. And people have different time, like different ways of uh, of surviving and and coping with difficulties in life. For me, Kundalini yoga works. Can you? Can you? I was just hoping to drill down into that because you just said, for you it works. Um, is it, is it even possible to separate the different practices or because you were mentioning specific things like mantras? Um, what is it that, that works for you? Is that a, even a fair question? <laughs> like, um, practically. Is it the whole system, uh, basically? Yeah. Everything together? I think it's the, I think it's the whole system. Um, I, I think I already said that the philosophy, like the way of thinking, like uh, in a way, the whole mindset. Um, like what I practically do is I, I usually wake up quite early in the morning before the children wake up. So um, for me, the, the one or two hours before the children wake up in the morning is very precious. My daughters are six, eight and 10 years old. So uh, when they wake up, like the hassle starts and uh, there's lots of things going on all the time. Um, I usually take a cold shower in the morning just to to wake me up, I do it in a specific, uh, in a specific way that the, that tr this tradition advises you to do so. And uh, then I go and sit on my my yoga mat, or I actually have a sheepskin, and I all, all, always, like every morning, I sit on the sheepskin. I am committed to to show up, committed to show up to my sheepskin every morning. If I have an hour or two hours, I will read a mantra, I will do some breathing exercises, I will do some physical yoga exercises and, and a meditation. Some mornings I only have five minutes if I happen to wake up late or if there's something else I need to take care of in the morning. But 
my commitment is to show up every day and do at least the breathing exercises and a small meditation every morning. Um, and being a, a very strong routine, um, that sets me for the day. When I spend even just a few minutes in the morning by myself, always in the same cross-legged sitting position at the same spot, even if I, I'm traveling or somewhere else, I usually have my sheepskin with me. It's like my own temple. Um, I know how it feels on different mornings. I can notice the difference. Okay, this morning I am tired. This morning I'm not feeling well. This morning I'm feeling excellent. Oh, it's another average day or it's another really good day or something like that. So kind of that's for myself, it's very important, like just to notice how I am. It's a few moments that I take just for myself, just to scan through my body, my thoughts, my feelings, um, and then letting it go, like settling for the new day. Is that before your more formal meditation session? So you first do the kind of body check as a first thing as you, you sit down, is that correct? Well, or it's, it might be also part of the meditation. Like technically when I sit down, I, I say always like the same short mantra to kind of tune in to, to my heart, to the space, to the yoga space, like to the, to the, maybe to the atmosphere, like I said, an intention to concentrate on myself for a while. And then I breathe, like usually during the breathing exercises, I do notice if there's something that is a bit less flexible in my body than usually, or how does the breath flow? How does it feel? What kind of feelings does it bring? Am I tired? So yes, I actually do this kind of body scanning before. And uh, then comes the meditation. Um, in Kundalini Yoga, in the tradition of Kundalini Yoga, there's hundreds or even thousands of different meditation exercises. So there's lots of different me meditation techniques. They can be more, um, there can be different tools used in the meditation. It could be a mantra, it could be a breathing pattern, it could be a movement, it could be a visualization or a combination of these, or a mudra, something that you do with your fingers, like a, a dristi where you direct your gaze to a certain point or something like that. And for me, during the last year, for example, I've been doing the same exercise every morning, but there is periods when I might do an exercise for like the same exercise, meditation exercise for 10 days or 40 days or something like that. And the length of the exercise varies as well. So I'm curious because um, as Nico mentioned, I've been meditating for a few years now, just on my own. Uh, I wouldn't say I, I subscribe to any, I haven't committed to any uh, specific system uh, per se, I've tried many different things. So for selfish reasons, uh, I'm curious to ask, because, you know, well, meditation is so popular. Everybody's done it a little bit, at least. 
so everybody kind of knows what meditation is roughly speaking so you you, you sit down in some sort of position and you can do guided or unguided meditations and, and generally the things are as you say you're you could either be doing mantra based kind of repeating some words either out loud or in your mind or then you could do breathing body scans etc so so many variations and, and kind mm. of themes but something i'm curious about because it's not really i would say widely um documented or or uh, reported at least in the sort of online meditation content space which is gigantic but it feels to me that almost all of it is for beginners so to get people started with meditation but you as a more professional practitioner I'm curious to ask just what, what is the next level let's say you're you're you know capable of doing that sitting 10 20 minutes and focusing on the breath your thoughts come in and they go you might be doing the mantra to get you in that kind of space or other types of exercises but uh what then what do, what, do, what are we going for after that because i've i've read also some of the buddhist texts and they they lay out the clear plan to you know enlightenment and all that that's not necessarily what i'm going for but i feel like there's some gap like there's clearly you know there's enlightenment which the buddha achieved doing his uh breath following meditation that's great for him uh, most people are not going to do that but then there's you know your basic apps where people are just like counting breaths but what's in between like is there some um a large space of methodology that you know sort of the online meditation apps and such are not exploring and and you need a, a teacher to explore or is it just that you need to do the basic stuff forever the wonderful question <laughs> You just need to do the basic stuff forever, I think. Ah, I was afraid of that. <laughs> um, in, enlightenment is something that I don't actually find very interesting. Like if you are going, well, you said it yourself, but just to underline it. Um, if you are going towards enlightenment, um, if you are chasing it, it's just your mind playing its tricks. Um, I think that it's important to be able to take these teachings into your everyday life. Meditation means basically concentration. When you are meditating, you are practicing your ability to concentrate. And I don't think anyone has uh, far too good ability to concentrate. I think anyone can get lots of help in just sitting quietly concentrating on the breathing for a while maybe maybe daily maybe several times a day uh, it's something that is just going to give you give you something i can't even describe what it is but you will get you will get something out of it if you do it daily that's something that i think i can almost promise if you concentrate on your breath on your breathing a few times a day your life will somehow change. Um, I think the, the biggest thing meditation or meditating can, can give you is perspective. Meditation is not always just the blissful, uh, cheerful, uh, saintly unity with God or something like that, but all the feelings, like all the life is included in meditation meditation can be really 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 annoying it can be so boring that 
I've at least felt like the urge to scream like if this doesn't stop in a minute I'm going to die it's so boring but the thing is just to stay there with all the boredom like just concentrate on breathing and just be there and that's what meditation can also bring to everyday life life is not going to be easy all the time if it's easy all the time it's not life crisis and pain are an important part of life and in a way the life goal or goal of life is to be able to walk with grace having your spine straight and head high across these crises across these difficult moments across those situations that feel really painful that you'd like to avoid to go under or over or just turn around and go somewhere else but if you have the commitment and if you have these tools that any yoga or meditation technique can give you you can have a happier life in sense that you don't need to turn around when you face some kind of difficult moments but you can walk through them and you know you can survive because well this is like it might not be easy to to understand it this might sound uh like really uh positive thinking or something but if you've gone through like different feelings that you have in the meditation if you've just let the feelings be you can become very angry in meditation really frustrated uh, bored as i already said annoyed like all the feelings are possible in meditation and it's kind of like exercising um, being with these difficult feelings as well and just breathing through them that's kind of the next level i think that's something that might present itself in your everyday life as well yeah that's i would say that's probably the extent of where i have gotten to my practice after a few years is just the ability to recognize uh so I, i'm personally quite prone to anxiety and restlessness so in meditation i'm able to sort of estimate the degree to which I am anxious or restless today. And as you say, kind of breathe uh, through it, which I feel in many times, uh, actually the worse it is, the more I feel meditation can help. Because if it's like, I'm basically okay, I feel like meditation doesn't really like get, get me from like good to great, but it definitely gets me from really bad to okay. Uh, so it, it, I feel it's now become more of a defensive shield, uh, and and maybe that's that's I, I think the the extent to which it is fair to expect from meditation. Um, I suppose it's just you know the Western goal oriented mind is always trying to reach the next level and and um, go towards some ultimate goal. But uh, uh, does that make sense that that um, we we shouldn't be too goal oriented with meditation yes it does make sense <laughs> um, meditation is a tool it's uh, it's cleaning the garbage meditation is the 
is the work you need to do in order to clean the garbage of your mind. The mind will give you more thoughts like every second, every minute, every day, like you have thousands of thoughts and um, they all get um, like some of the thoughts get stuck in your body system like energetically. So if you just meditate, you kind of make more space. That's what meditation also is about. So uh, it's a tool um, that can help you in your everyday life. But for me, it sounds quite funny to set a goal for meditation. Like now I'm meditating because I want to become this and this kind of person. I don't think that would work. So uh, I've got a question in this. Um, we've we've spoken uh, specifically about meditation quite a lot here, but um, how does um, how do you combine the yoga aspect of Kundalini into the meditation, or is it uh, like inseparable? Um, yoga as a word means uh, union. It means union between me being one me um, and with the whole universe. It means union with me between uh, body, mind, and and soul. So um, yoga is always, I think, some kind of meditation exercise. You can't really tell which is which is yoga, which is the physical movement, the asana, and which is like meditation. It's all it's all combined, mm. um, and uh, I don't think it's uh it's a wrong way like you can go to yoga just because of the physical exercises that's completely okay you can have your avocado smoothie afterwards i enjoy an avocado smoothie as well absolutely no problem with that uh, like we can get different things from the same tradition and that's completely okay but for me um it's hard to say like what is meditation and what is not meditation um, ultimately, I think my life goal is to to have an ongoing meditation, be meditating all the time, uh, be in a meditative state. Obviously, uh, is not something that happens all the time, but um, doing the exercise every day um, gets me sometimes to this meditative space where everything just flows and. Uh, by exercising, by doing these exercises every day, the space might get a bit longer every now and then. Mm. It might be easier to get to the same, this same space even in the everyday life's chaos. So, um, yeah. yeah I, guess, I guess this is some, because you, you, you do talk about... Um, you know, the fact that the hardest yoga exercises in life actually happen outside of the yoga mat or yoga studio. Um, can you sort of reflect a bit on this? Uh, yes, it's one of my, my favorite subjects. Um, actually, my second book about crisis in life has a lot to do about this, uh, with this. Um, I think generally we are all students of life we are here we are alive in order to learn something and that doesn't mean that we need to be a better version of ourselves and 
all the time like concentrate on growing and setting goals and being better and better and better um, for me it means more um, uh, to be open for life and um, in the tradition of kundalini yoga the the student's path um, goes through four words which are obey serve love excel and uh, my second book is about these four words um, obeying reminds a little bit of commitment um, obeying is not really trendy uh, for many people obeying means that oh, oh who do i need to obey what do i need to obey uh, why do i need to obey someone yeah. else i don't want to obey i want to be free but um, if you don't commit if you don't obey your heart the truth you can't really be free the the teachings say or or my own yoga teacher says that obey the laws of nature obey the clear signs of intuition and obey the call of your soul and this is what each and every technique has as their goals all these spiritual techniques can help you to find the call of your soul can help you distinguish the clear signs of intuition can help showing you the laws of nature like the cycles we as human have in our lives um, and how we can obey these things and when we are obeying the inner knowledge uh, what we have inside of our hearts um, when we are obeying we can come to the second step which is serving serving life serving the divine light in all serving the consciousness serving the waking up of the truth when i am connected committed and obeying in actions and in in my mind my own heart i can serve from my heart i can serve the huge concept of life it's not serving all the other people it's not even serving me but it's serving life what kind of decisions can i make in order to let the life flow to give um, better possibilities for life to grow and to to shine and glow and if i'm serving from this perspective the service just becomes love the words go obey serve love love the giver more than the gifts love creator more than creation in, in this love um, love of life um, it's not the specific um, uh, things that happen in life it's not um, happenings it's not the gifts that life gives to me but it's the life itself I can love. And if I can remember this um, at the moment of crisis, pain and difficult things in life, that it, it's just small gifts that life gives to me. Um, it's just easier. It's easier to remember that I am here to fully live, to fully explore all the possibilities that I have in this human life, like really 
incarnate in this body, like really take over, really take responsibility of my own life. Mm -hmm. And if I'm connected to this love, there's nothing else than excel, ex excel, like it can't be anything else than excellent. It's a dance, it's not a struggle. Like even the difficult things can feel, like can be blessings to me. This is like in really a, a not in a nutshell, like explaining this uh -huh. huge philosophy. But this is something that really, really helps me. It's not all about me. Uh, the yogis say that don't look at your navel, use your navel. Kind of opening up. And uh, I'm not saying that people should just give, give, give and serve, serve, serve. Uh, that's not balance, but kind of growing uh, to become more humble like it's not so much about me it's about like this whole universe and like through me universe consciousness truth has a way to become visible so i can do my part um i can take responsibility of that responsibility of that and um, do my best which doesn't mean that I should be always like following the rules or uh, actually not at all just following the the truth the knowledge that I the wisdom that I have inside of me and really bringing it fully out to this world so as an engineer um, <laughs> I definitely struggle a lot with the spiritual aspect of a lot of these traditions. And actually like this was the motivation because I, it's, it's been the same with me with Christianity, you know, because it sounds like a big fairy tale and everybody loves each other. Uh, but only at church, when you go outside the church, then you can do whatever you want. Um, but so this was my motivation to start reading a lot of these religious or spiritual texts. And I, I think a lot of what you said there, I think you're correct in saying that, you know, for, for an engineer, they struggle to take these kind of things at face value, but there's a much deeper and wider philosophy, which I've been reading into. And there's, there's a few things which I have really latched onto. Um, one relates to meditation. Uh, and the other is about, I think, our, our ability to actually uh, learn things. Um, so for the meditation aspect, um, I think if you really kind of deeply try to think about, you know, the meaning of life generally, and, and I think if you take a scientific view, people talk about things like, you know, evolution and continuing the species. Um, but cer certain people, for example, Elon Musk himself came to the conclusion, when, I believe when he was in his teens already, that consciousness, actually continuing consciousness is kind of the, the really the, the biggest thing uh, that we can do because so far it seems to be unique in the universe. Now, yeah. of course, these, let's say, yogic uh, philosophies, Vedanta uh, particularly, the, the ancient texts talk about this at great length, uh, about this idea that really when you're, for example, meditating, that's ultimately what you're glimpsing is, is when you have this tangible sense of 
not feeling a self, right? So you're, you're just breathing, you're just witnessing, you're void of thoughts, void of emotions. That's kind of like scratching the surface, not necessarily of enlightenment, but it's just showing to you that basically all of the abstract realities that we deal with, bosses, emails, money, whatever, uh, marriage, these are all things that we have as humans kind of added ourselves into the mix. None of it is really exists in the kind of base level of reality. So, you know, even as a scientist, I'm engineer, I've come to like, I can now listen to what you just said and, and not just shake my head. I can actually kind of appreciate <laughs> that, that, you know, we don't really know what consciousness is fundamentally. And, and, you know, it's been a bit of a taboo in, in scientific circles up to now, but with, for example, artificial intelligence research, it's now becoming an actual real world problem that we have to deal with. And, and then you go back to, again, these, these texts, which have been around for thousands and thousands of years. And I think there's actually quite a lot of practical wisdom that people can use to kind of, as you say, self-discover, because that's the other big thing that I've taken away from these, these texts, just listening, reading, uh, to kind of the, the, the gurus from, from decades and centuries before is that there are certain things which cannot be taught. What I mean by that is I, I can't read from a book what, who I am, right? That mm-hmm. there's, for example, the practice of, again, meditation is actually going through the process of discovering it for yourself. So like the Buddha would say that it's, it's not meant to really be a religion where the Buddha tells you how the world is. It's meant to be a series of practices so that you can discover for yourself who you are and what the world actually is. So it should be deeply experiential. And this, again, I, I think it's just a Western scientific, maybe Christian dogma where I, I've been raised to expect that anything that needs to be known can be read from a book. And this, I think, is for me kind of been quite eye-opening to maybe to myself accept the fact that, well, in this case, that's not true. If I really want to understand who I am and what's going on, uh, the only way to do it is is self-experiential. I have to find what those words mean to myself and, and practice that. Um, does that make sense? Of course, again, I'm coming from a quite different perspective, maybe with my engineer brain, but... Uh, Have I understood that correctly with your experience from uh, yoga teachings? Experience is is a key word, maybe the key word. I think you're completely right um, when you talk about the importance of it. Um, Yes, um, you can read books, you can understand things by reading books. But if you don't have your own experience about it, it can't be really incarnated in you. It can't really be true to you. So um, I think nowadays many people are quite um, um, far from their own bodily experiences. Many people live in their heads in the world of... uh, logics and uh, and ration but um, yes this is exactly what the meditation can also give you like a bodily experience about what's going on right now 
Um, you might be working day after day after day without noticing that you are tired, for example. Uh, but when you sit down for three minutes and just breathe, you can notice that, oh, I'm, I'm actually very tired. And um, yeah, it might be good to sleep a little bit and you'd be working better after that. That's just a, a, a little example. But yeah, in self-discovery, in order to, to learn what I am, why am I here, kind of what's my purpose, it's really important to get to know your own experiences. And that's not contradictional to, to Western science either. There's lots of empirical science, um, which is based on experience. We are examining experiences as well. But I think um, in the Western culture, it's um, maybe even more normal to go to a doctor, tell that I have these kind of symptoms and and ask the doctor to say what's wrong with me or something like that. Um, whereas many times I think we could just sit down and trust our own experiences more. I'm not saying that it's bad to go to a doctor, of course not, but um, just taking responsibility, taking responsibility of my own experiences trusting my experiences is very important from the spiritual point of view as well yeah in fact i think you mentioned something which uh, has been somewhat life-changing for me as a result of meditation mostly which is uh living inside my head um mm. i think everybody does to different extents but again, because it's highly experiential, in some sense, everybody thinks they're alone in that, that I live inside my head. I don't know about anybody else, but it's like, that's my experience and that's the only way that it can be. And I think if, if I, I'm sorry to say this, if you could, could set a goal for meditation, I feel that would be a good goal because for most people, it's, it's again, one of those things, you, you know, I can say it to you and you can read it from somewhere or watch some TED talk, but it might not make sense for people. Like, what do you mean not, living inside my head like that's the only way that there is there's no other way and i think that's what meditation mm. can potentially promise uh i guess to people is like hey hold on like you could pause that for a little bit there could be moments in your day or during the meditation etc where you there is like another way of being actually and that's something that um can be discovered but again i i want to be careful about the the goal setting i i do appreciate that um, so I think something I'd like to kind of maybe close on um, is to take this back to practicalities. Um, yes. We've talked about so many different things. Uh, I, I love that you mentioned the, the cold shower. I wasn't aware of, of that practice um, because th these are things that I've picked out separately. So again, because I, I didn't start with any system. I, I've done obviously exercise for a long time, but then I've picked up things like breathing uh, actually from Wim Hof, including the cold shower. So I got two things from him and then meditation from Sam Harris. And it's mostly like very, I would say secular. So like non-spiritual sources for me. And that's ultimately, I think that's like what Healthzilla represents is like, Hey, there's all these different healthy habits you can do from yeah, fasting, cold exposure, um, exercise, meditation, breathing, and, you, you know, we, we're trying to help people basically put together their own routines about these habits and explore these habits and kind of get the benefits as they will. 
But I'm curious, since yoga is, as you say, even the word means kind of a union of these specific um, practices, is there some guidance you could give to people, whether they're HealthZilla users or just people who have dabbled in various practices but haven't put it all together? What, what, what would you say is like the difference uh, applying a system like yoga or kundalini yoga where is, is it that you have to do certain things in a certain frequency or in certain, um, uh, uh, let's say, patterns where you do certain things together? Or is it really just that if you're doing meditation, breathing, uh, exercise, or kind of mobility, somehow moving your, your joints, uh, you're doing fasting, is it all the same? Like, can you do it just without the, the framework? Or is there some secret sauce in when you combine the ingredients in a certain way, magic happens? Well, if there was like one answer to that, <laughs> I think everybody would love to hear that. Um, um, there's no secret recipe, I think. There are these traditions that have kind of put together the best, best possible package uh, starters package in order to get you going but um, I can't recommend any certain tradition or combination of any traditions I happen to know that as I've many times stated Kundalini Yoga works for me it has helped me to discover the things uh, that are good for me it has helped me to notice my own experience and to get more interested about myself and that's what is kind of my only advice get interested about yourself if you are busy all the time if you don't have time to reflect upon your feelings or what's going on in your head or most of all in your body um, you are not going to be well <laughs> in the future like for your own sake i think it would be good for anyone to take short moments just to be without doing. And paradoxically, you'll get better in doing as well if you take these small, small amounts, small, small um, like moments of just being. Um, doing is actually a very masculine way, setting goals and uh, keeping it going but uh, you need this small drop of femininity it's like a yin yang symbol like in the black uh, part there is this white dot in the white part there is this black dot so you need to have kind of uh, both energies this like forward going um, doing getting things done but also this being and kind of letting letting things uh, come out of nothingness uh, as we probably all know it's like the the source of creativity is in a way passivity like just letting things open up um, when it's their time uh, so uh, just get interested about yourself um, there's several ways that you can do it don't trust all too much to outer rules or or techniques or certain ways of doing if something works for one person it doesn't necessarily work for you uh, take times don't try to take all like everything at the same moment like if you want to 
feel better, like you can start from your breathing, for example, or you can start from exercising, or you can start from your daily diet or your sleeping habits. There's lots of things that you have uh, power on, like what you can really affect in your own life. One of the best things is to start from breathing, I think. We all do breathe all the time, but uh, not very consciously. Just becoming conscious about your own breath once a day or a few times a day can really change your life. All the feelings like anxiety you mentioned, um, being really glad or getting really angry, they come with a breathing pattern. They affect your breath. And if you just take your time and concentrate on your breath, you can set a timer for three minutes, like three minutes a day or twice a day you can do probably. Like just set a timer and for three minutes, like just sit on your office chair or in the nature or in your bed, like wherever, and concentrate on your breath. Like the thoughts will be running wild here and there, but when you notice that your thoughts are somewhere else than in your breath, just gently bring them back as many times as you need to bring them back. Concentrate on your breathing. It can be really boring. It can be really annoying at the beginning. But if you just keep doing it three minutes a day or twice a day or three times a day, you will find the difference. And when you get your... Um, your intention back to your body, back to your breathing, you will little by little start noticing, start experiencing other things in your, in your body system as well. You will start recognizing different kinds of feelings, how complex your system actually is, how rich life can be if you really observe what, what's happening in your body, not only your mind. Mind is quick and um, I don't think there's a risk that you will only get interested in the bodily experiences. Your mind will keep you busy. Like every time when you want to get back into your head, there will be a possibility of doing it. Uh, but if you just take the, the short breaks from your head, you will, you will really like start finding out what's good for you, what's not good for you. The wisdom, all the knowledge is inside of you. Like if you stop and breathe, like in any situation, when you don't know what to decide, when you are not exactly sure if you should have a lunch or just a quick chocolate bar, like you can just stop and breathe and trust your experience. You know what's best for you and stop lying to yourself. I think that's the best you can do. Mm, that was, that was, Wonderful. Um, I've been reading recently a lot about breathing, um, and I, I think there's so much more to to explore and kind of bring to the world around breathing. I think meditation maybe has taken, and I guess you know the yoga exercise. Both of those have really kind of spread to the masses. But I think you're right in saying that in some sense breathing is much easier to start because you don't need to you don't need a yoga mat, you don't need a meditation. Uh, app you you can just do it yourself um and i think there's something really nice that you mentioned there also of not doing anything um that's also it's you know 
again, I go back to the, the Western engineer mindset, but it's such a, it's almost like a nonsensical statement in some sense, but I've come to really appreciate that as I've practiced meditation, which is forcing that kind of, you know, not doing anything. And I've noticed that it trickles into my day into being able to just appreciate things and not always get my phone out. You know, we're all addicted to the smartphones, not, not put on even a podcast like this, not, not browse Instagram and just like sit on the bus, walk. Uh, and I've, you know, recently been reading a lot of uh, Buddhist Zen material. And that's really the whole philosophy there is, is kind of doing basic things with intention and kind of allowing yourself to, yeah, not, not giving yourself the escape from your mind to, you know, put thoughts, new thoughts into your mind, whether it's news or Netflix or other things. I think it's just this kind of constant escapism that sadly, uh, not just Westerners, I think, you know, even Asians, uh, even despite all of the philosophy, you know, Netflix is just as popular in India and Japan and, and uh, Thailand as it is anywhere else. So I think this, this technology is making it harder for people to appreciate these like really simple things like just being and just breathing which sound like so almost like idiotically simple but we need to relearn and reteach these kind of really fundamental things to people i feel that's so true and i'm equally attached to my to my iphone um as as you are and uh that's something i also try to do uh, in my first book, there's actually small exercises to your everyday life, uh, what you can do. And there's this one exercise called mediating. Uh, kind of when you are waiting for someone, you arrive three minutes earlier or someone sends you, sends you a text like right when they are already supposed to be at the meeting place that, sorry, I'm five minutes late. Instead of like continuing uh, looking at Instagram or doing something else which is just feeding your mind you can put the phone in your pocket and use these three minutes for meditation oh how boring it sounds it would be much more intriguing to have your phone in your hand but if you kind of just make yourself do it um, just concentrate on your breathing or in a in a queue somewhere like in a in a supermarket when you need to queue for three minutes instead of um, looking at your phone make it as a reminder or take it as a reminder to concentrate on your breathing you don't necessarily even need to change your your breathing pattern in any certain way but if you concentrate on it it probably starts getting slower and reaching your your stomach or abdominal area as well it automatically relaxes you and these small moments of relaxation you can find almost in any situation even in the midst of terrible crises uh, very difficult moments in life um, then it's even more important i think to remember that the breath is still flowing I'm still alive. The heart is still pumping blood. There's, there's hope in a way. I just had to check on Instagram if hashtag mediwaiting is uh, popular, but there's only one post. So I think we need to fix that. We need to make it a 
the trending <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> Sounds good. Wow, this has been such an epic podcast, an epic discussion. Thank you so much, uh, both Nora and, and Aki. Nora, where can people follow you? Well, back to social media and uh, smartphones. <laughs> um, I have an Instagram account. Um, yes. And maybe you can put the address at the... Yeah, we'll um, put it. Put, put the, the links to the show notes for sure. Um, yes, I'm, I'm mostly writing in, uh, in Finnish, but thanks to the technology, <laughs> you can get the Google translation <laughs> or the instant translation at, on Instagram. Um, yes. Indeed. And then, then you have two books out. Um, both of them are in Finnish, correct? Only in Finnish, right? They are only in Finnish, yes. And uh, so, for the. So if you do um, know Finnish or if you'd love to learn Finnish and learn some wisdom <laughs> of the mind, uh, do make sure you pick up a copy of both of these books. We'll put the um, li links to the show notes uh, for anyone who is interested. Uh, Nora, you also have a, have a website, right? Yes, I have a website uh, that's also, that's actually completely in Finnish. Uh, mm -hmm. It's mostly about the courses and, um, and yoga classes. I, I have a, a blog also in Finnish, which is at the Hidasta Elama uh, page or portal in, in Finnish. That's a, a big um, um, health portal or yeah. uh, lots of writers writing there. So uh, I can be found there as well. Maybe someday in, in English as well. And about Kundalini Yoga, if you're interested, there's, uh, there's lots of literature about the, the technology of Kundalini Yoga. But as said, I don't think that's, it's like definitely not the only one, maybe not even the best one, but something that has worked for me. And um, I think it's worth, experiencing experimenting for everybody to find a technique some kind of spiritual practice whatever that is even long distance running or something like that that suits just you so uh, good luck with that that's gonna change <laughs> life again Absolutely. I 100% I agree with you, Nora. And, and I've been so intrigued by this whole discussion uh, uh, between yourself and Aki. It's been, it's been so interesting. I, I really want to, uh, I am going to read more about, uh, about Kundalini for sure. I've, I've learned myself a lot, of, a lot of new things, and which basically is mostly towards the fact that you don't need to separate all of the, 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 the habits of movement meditation and yoga and all that type of stuff because you can actually look at this as one unit uh, or one unity if you may as per the the word yoga yoga means as well it's been it's been a great episode thank you so much nora thank you aki for joining us um this has been held till a weekly episode number i still can't remember which number it is but it doesn't matter the discussion has been absolutely amazing and if you do want to um, start experimenting uh, breathing and meditation um, uh, quickly, uh, we have uh, a breathing exercise in the HealthZilla app and a meditation timer as well. So please go ahead and do try those out. The app is for free, downloadable in the Apple App Store and Google Play as well. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining. Speak to you next week. Peace. 
This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.